couch and audiences will be very familiar with the career of Mike Delamont and his incredible show, God is a Scottish Drag Queen, which has performed at our theatre numerous times over the last years. Mike did begin his career in 2011, and he's been all over the world, from Las Vegas to the Upright Citizens Brigade in New York City to the famous Just for Laughs Festival in Montreal. You may have heard Mike on CBC Radio, on The Debaters, or Laugh Out Loud. Mike's gung-ho spirit and can-do attitude have made him one of Canada's very most successful stand-up comedians and artists. I had a chance to recently catch up with him as this pandemic unfolded to ask him about his career and, of course, how God is a Scottish drag queen got started. But first, I just wanted to know how he's holding up in these difficult days. Comedian and pandemic doesn't always go together, right? So how does that, how does that shake out for you? Uh, it's a lot of um, sitting around now. <laughs> it's uh, a lot of uh, just hanging out. That's the that seems to be the new uh, the new world. So uh, there's not many shows left. So it's uh, yeah, it's a lot of chatting with uh, folks like you and uh, <laughs> watching a lot of Netflix and Amazon and uh, yeah, just kind of mellowing out. So that's that's been the the, the pandemic so far. They, they, at the beginning, I remember everyone was saying, oh, now's your chance. You can write your King Lear. It's what Shakespeare did when it was a plague. Did you have a burst of, of work that you decided to do at the beginning of all this? Did you? How did you settle into a groove? No, I, um, I, haven't, uh, I haven't had any kind of uh, big project that I've been working on. Um, the, the problem with what, uh, with what I do is that we book so far in advance. So, uh, the opportunity to, to get a new show on its feet, I probably wouldn't have for about a year and a half. So I, uh, I haven't been writing anything, uh, at, well, n- nothing that I'd be too proud of. <laughs> um, but, uh, um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been nice to. I've been working on a, a podcast and, and things like that, but nothing nothing as large as I would like to. Um, more just trying to figure out how we move forward and if we can move forward and and all the the nonsense that that goes on with that. But uh, yeah, it's it's been less creative than I would have liked it to have been. But uh, it, it seems like it's going to be the whole year for me now. So uh, I, I have lots of opportunity now to be creative. <laughs> Now that we kind of have an idea of what it uh, what it's going to look like, so I've, I've been following closely on your uh, Facebook and statuses as, as shows start to get pushed off and, and canceled and things like that, and it must be alternately heartbreaking and also just worrisome. How how do you manage distress? Because I've been talking to a lot of artists who just have not been managing it well. Um. Well, the nice thing is is that um, us canceling shows means that we are putting the health and safety of people first, which is, that's been the wonderful silver lining of this is that the reason we're canceling is to keep people safe. So it's not this arbitrary uh, mishmash of, of decisions. It's a very clear and, and concise choice to, to keep people safe. And so um what, while it is stressful and you go, oh, I don't know what it's going to look like for the next few years and, and uh, oh, I, I don't know what, <laughs> what I'm going to do this year, that has been a really nice silver lining and a, and a really uh, great side of it that um, it, it would be very easy for us to prioritize the financial side of it and just get these shows out there and you know make the money and, and sell the tickets. But the fact that we are really able to prioritize health and safety it's 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 been a really beautiful thing so it it, it 
when the, when the stress gets too much, the reality that when we are allowed to go out, everybody wants to go out. All I want to do is go see a movie or see a play. Or <laughs> So I, I think that the, the want is still there, which is the, the most important part. I think if people after this went, nah, I'm fine. I'll just stay home. <laughs> uh, I think that would be heartbreaking. But uh, so when the stress gets too high, knowing that there are lots of people that want to get back to seeing shows is really amazing. And the fact that we're doing this for the right reasons is uh, also pretty inspiring. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's, you know, at our theater, which you've been to numerous times, we're, mm-hmm. we're fully shut and fully dark. And uh, you mentioned a podcast. Uh, and I also noticed you have yeah, Patreon, It's it, I think, is the way you're delivering it. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, two years ago, I, I thought it would be fun to do. I thought, what if... What if God read through the Bible? I like the character of God that my wife and I have created. And I thought, oh, well, maybe this will be funny. So I read through the first uh, book of the Bible. I read through Genesis. It took me, I think, seven and a half hours. And uh, <laughs> and so I, <laughs> it's a doozy. It's a real read. <laughs> you picked one. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, read through that. And then the character gets to make little edits and comments and get lost and confused with, with the audience as well. When it, there are those moments of like, who's talking right now? Who is the speaker in this, in this story? Um, so I had a lot of fun with it and I thought, okay, well I I opened that on Easter and uh, I put out a new episode every Sunday morning. Uh, and I thought that would be fun and, and on brand. And, uh, I wanted to do a second season and the second season just so happened to fall within this, uh, a brand new time of, of digital content. So I was already planning to do it at Easter. Um, I just didn't think I would have so much free time to do it. Uh, so, so I'm doing a second chapter where we read through all of Exodus. So all the Moses and, and, and that kind of fun. Um, and then I just started doing a podcast of the actual show because I had a lot to, to talk about. So there's a, a, a weekly 10 minute kind of version of the show, which has been, uh, has been very fun to write. Uh, the last few uh, days has been a little bit hard to try and find that funny bone, but uh, imagine. But yeah. it's yeah. So, um, but it's been nice to have that creative outlet at least. So, so that's been fun. There's so many things that you just mentioned I want to touch on, but I, I, you know, you mentioned the last couple of days being difficult, and we're recording this podcast probably in the few days after the protests in the U.S. with regards to the killing of George Floyd by police officers. Um, talk about finding a funny bone in these dark times is is that is that what you have to find or is there something else that you're looking to you know discover as a, as a comic artist as an, as an actor as a you know person um i think the job of of a comedian is to to make light of the current social situations um the the wonderful thing about what's happening now is that conversations are being had in every aspect of the world now on, uh, on equality. And I, I feel like it has been uh, <laughs> a very quiet and uh, simple agreement from the comedians that uh, uh, it's not our time to make light of a situation and to, to, to listen and uh, <laughs> to, uh, to let people have their voice. So it's been uh it's been a very uh, hard time and a very cathartic time and a very emotional time. So I, I think out of this, there will be comedy and light and fun and silliness. And, uh, but, uh, but right now it needs to be what it is, which I think the, the world wants that. I think the world is craving that. And it's, uh, 
it's nice that they are able to have it and that we are able to have these conversations. Your comedy over the last few years has emanated from religion. I'm sure you've had so many questions when you go to small towns from local journalists asking why, so I'm not going to be any different. And I want to know where this began and, and your relationship to the material and how it evolved into, into part of your, your, your comedy thing, your thing. Well, I had, I had no relationship to it at all. I didn't grow up with any kind of religious background at all. Um, I, uh, I I did grow up in in the under the umbrella of uh, Monty Python and uh, Fry and Laurie and Rowan Atkinson and you know Dudley Moore and the idea that the clergy was very funny. Um, so I always thought that nuns and priests were were always quite funny. Um, but uh, it it all started for me in a cabaret called Atomic Vaudeville, which still exists today. And they have a great online uh, cabaret now, but they, um, every month they were doing episodes and they had a through line. And one, one month it was a, a battle of the bands between Jesus and Satan. And uh, I just played Jesus's dad. I was a very secondary character. And uh, I certainly, certainly would never have guessed that 15 years later, I would still be playing it. Um, but uh but we like the idea that the we we love the idea that the character of God would be dressed very effeminately, um, but not really make any reference to it. And the the inspiration for that came from uh, the Sistine Chapel. So if you if you a lot of people think they can think of it, but if you Google uh, the, the Sistine Chapel, God in the Sistine Chapel, he's wearing like a very gentle pink negligee <laughs> like it's not a thick house coat it's certainly not a robe like it is a gentle it's always in like the comedy when you see like the dad wearing the mom's robe like that's what it really looks like if it's worth a google because it, it does not sit in your mind the way it actually is um but uh so i love the idea that he was this because his face is so angry but he's in this you know he's casually laying on a beanbag chair full of babies and in a pink negligee so the bizarreness of it was very appealing to me so we liked that god would be in this kind of floral power suit and then we tried out a few accents and uh, the, the british one really bombed it mm. came off as too headmastery and too strict and uh so the next day I tried out a new one and I tried the Scotch one. It's been the same ever since, but, uh, but the, the idea of, um, of God being very effeminately dressed. And really when I wrote the show, I thought that God is a Scottish drag queen. I thought that it would be, I thought that would be the placeholder until I found a better title. <laughs> right. Um, I just thought, okay, these are the things that people need to know. And, uh, and it, it never changed. And it's been nice because really the character is not a drag queen at all, but it has opened the door to have a discussion about how um, dressing in a certain way seems to make you masculine or not, despite the fact that the most masculine cultures have worn dresses. Mm. Um, I mean, the Scots wear a kilt and Roman soldiers wore a leather pleated skirt. And so these very masculine, you know, 300 soldiers <laughs> they're just wearing little tiny outfits so it's <laughs> the the idea that a certain outfit would make you masculine or feminine or it, it, it began a nice uh, conversation that has kind of stayed with us through the through the franchise as mike mentioned he has recently started a podcast version of god is a scottish drag queen so i asked him to share a little clip 
from that podcast, which you can find at mikedelamont.com, and uh, ask him to set up what we're going to hear. The nice thing about the the character is that it's very um, current and now and what's happening in the world. And, and when you see the show, you are in the theater on that night in that town. So if something weird is happening in the news, chances are it's going to make it into the show, despite the fact that the show is 95% scripted. Um, so creating a podcast for that was really wonderful because it allowed me to talk about what's happening right now in the world and uh, through the lens of this very silly character. So uh, um, the very first episode of God is a Scottish drag queen. The podcast uh, gives you a little glimpse of, uh, of what God thinks of what's happening right now. Hello and welcome to a brand new pod. Oh, hold on, hold on. Let, let, me, let me take my mask off. Hello and welcome to a brand new podcast. I am God from God as a Scottish drag queen. It's a delight to have you here listening. Normally at this time, we'd be traveling the world. We'd be going from town to town, telling jokes, you know, you know, kissing hands, shaking babies. But we're not. The world is shut down in an unprecedented time, except for all those other times that it happened. Uh, so I thought that maybe instead of coming to you live and in person, I thought that I would come to you pre-recorded. So if you could just sit six feet away from your speakers, that would be perfect. Uh, I hope that you're all doing well. I've had lots of people reach out, send messages and, and tweets and, and thoughts and prayers uh, just to see how I'm doing. And I'm doing well. I'm keeping myself safe, uh, washing my hands with holy water. I mean, it's always holy water with me. Um, of course, uh, the quarantine world is uh, it's no picnic. Uh, I, of course, as you know, have a son, uh, so dealing with him uh, has been interesting. Uh, me and his mother are no longer together. I mean, we really haven't ever been together. She's remarried uh, to a carpenter. Um, but uh, it's a struggle, you know. Uh, I mean, he's not in school anymore. <laughs> Thank me for that. Um, but it is still difficult, you know. He wants to go out and meet people, and you just can't. So he's puttering around the house, you know, and he's just, he's not even chipping in. He's not even helping. I mean, I see him out there, you know, at the swimming pool, walking across the water, and I think, hey, you know, grab the skimmer, you know, scoop up some of the leaves, you know, chip in a bit. So tell us a little bit more about how this all, this whole comedy, this whole thing began for you. I know your show, Mama's Boy, really explored your your growing up and challenges. I would love to hear more about when you decided that this is going to be what you wanted to do. Uh, Mama's Boy is a, a show that I really love and a, a story that I wanted to tell for a really long time. And it was a show that I, I thought to my detriment would be too specific. Um, I, I didn't really write it. Uh, for a general public, I just wanted to tell my story as, as simply and, and and as raw as possible. And I, I didn't want the audience to know uh, from scene to scene whether it was going to be very happy or very sad. So I, I really enjoyed it being pulled uh, one way to the other. And uh, the nice thing about that show is that when I wrote it, I actually just sat down and wrote the whole show almost exactly as it is today. Um, I moved one part closer to the end, but other than that, uh, it's very, it has changed very little since it hit the page and it took about, uh, two hours to actually put it down on paper. Um, two which hours, is rare. really, really. 
Wow. Yeah, it, it was kind of all free-formed right in my head, uh, the way I wanted to tell it and what stories I wanted to tell. And I finally just made myself sit down and actually uh, write it out. And I had uh, two very, very good directors and very different directors uh, look at it. And I, I had a very strong vision of what I wanted it to be. And uh, it has really resonated with people far more than I ever thought it would, which is wonderful because you, you, the show kind of touches on the fact that when I was a kid, because I grew up with a single mom who, who struggled with uh, alcohol addiction. And, you know, I thought I was very alone. And then as an adult, you realize, oh, you weren't alone at all. Mm. There was lots of people going through that. Um, but uh, I didn't think that the show would hit on so many topics for people. So it's been uh, really neat. And it proved to me that if you're if you're going to create something to to write something that is yours and very specific is a less of a risk than you think it's going to be. So that was uh, that was a very uh, wonderful experience. And I don't usually get to do the show that often. We did it at the Belfry Theater in Victoria mm-hmm. last season. We did it at the Shadbolt Center this season. Uh, so I don't get to do it as much. It is a very emotional show. So I'm yeah. uh, also very happy that I don't get to do it as much. I don't I don't know if I could. Uh, I certainly couldn't do it uh, in the amount that I do stand-up comedy or the the God show. So uh, I am, <laughs> I'm glad for that. But, uh, but yeah, it's been a neat little career just to be able to take risks and afford to, you know, take a gamble here and there. And yeah, it's been, it's been neat. It's neat to do stand up and to do the character stuff. And it's kind of kept me in a a weird limbo where Mm -hmm. comedians don't think I'm a comedian and actors don't think I'm an actor. So I live in this nice little bubble on my own (laughs) of of doing shows and, and, and making people laugh. So it's, it's, it's been fun. I certainly, certainly didn't think I would be here. I don't know five years ago, 10 years ago. So right. it's, uh, <laughs> I'm very happy to be here. So that's Mike Delamont. You can catch up with everything that he's up to at Mike That's Mike D E L A M O N T.com. And thanks for listening. It's always a pleasure to bring you stories from the pandemic of artists that have performed at our theater and that will perform or that inspire us. And we'll be back soon with an interview with our manager, Kirsten Schrader. So we'll see you shortly. To be continued.